episode 125 of Positive Regression, a motorsports analytics podcast. I'm Alan Kavana, joined as always by David Smith. On this episode, the winners and losers of free agency so far. Time is running out, the good rides are filled, and some drivers are left without a chair to sit in. We will evaluate. That, plus our big Kansas preview, which includes a look at those restart lanes. But first, as always, we start with a quick look back on the first NASCAR National Series race at Kansas Speedway, where everyone is going this weekend. David, that also happened to be Ricky Hendrick's Truck Series victory way back in 2001. July 2001, expansion is happening in NASCAR, David, for those unfamiliar. And the Kansas race, the Kansas Speedway, was part of it. This new oasis in the middle of a Midwest cornfield. I don't know if it was corn. It was certainly a field. But (laughs) the, the race itself featured 36 trucks. 15 of them, David, exited the race with mechanical issues. Three of them are crash-related. The rest were mechanical or engine issues. I mean, we don't see that high number anymore. So just a, kind of a different era way back when. And in the end, the son of Rick Hendrick leads 32 laps and wins what would be his only race. David, what do you want us to know about this race? Well, you mentioned it was a different era. I mean, consider for a moment the the idea of Hendrick Motorsports having... <laughs> Not one, but two truck series entries. Do you know how dominant that would be right now? <laughs> uh, well, they they were dominant uh, on this day. Uh, the trucks of Ricky Hendrick and Jack Sprague. And Alan, uh, this day was July 7th, 2001. That was the same day that Dale Earnhardt Jr. scored maybe the most memorable win in Cup Series history at Daytona. But earlier that day, it was Hendrick's two trucks combining Hmm. to lead 67% of this race, the inaugural race at uh, Kansas Speedway. Jack Sprague, I mentioned, he was the driver of Hendrick's number 24 truck. He did suffer one of those mechanical issues that you spoke of. He blew a motor 31 laps from the finish. And his stablemate, Ricky Hendrick, driving a number 17, collected the lead shortly after that and won the race. And it would be his only truck win. And at the time, he was the youngest ever race winner in NASCAR Truck Series history. Because again, a a different era altogether of Truck Series racing, it was largely a a veteran-heavy series back then. And it was that way for a while before it became uh, kind of a developmental haven that it is now. Uh, Ricky Hendrick didn't last long in the car after that. He retired a little over a year later uh, after a test at Atlanta Motor Speedway in uh, in an Xfinity car, what was then a Bush Series car. He'd been attempting to recover from a shoulder injury that he sustained earlier that season And that test was where he suggested that he'd lost some of his nerve. He said, to be at the level I want to be, I can't because there is something haunting me getting into the turns, which prevents me from being Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, the caliber of that nature. Uh, And he shortly stepped into a management role with his father's company, which uh, he was in until uh, two years later. He was one of the 10 people who died in the Hendrick Motorsports plane crash in route to the cup race at Martinsville. But that July day at Kansas Speedway, that was when we saw 
the promise of Ricky Hendrick, the driver. He had been a winner in legend cars and late models, and this was uh, viewed as the next step. Uh, but ultimately, he did step away as a driver. So this was uh, the, the the brightest moment of his driving career. A significant day indeed. 20 years ago now, David. Uh, oh. And that the, the race, I just look at some of the names. It featured names like Coy Gibbs uh, <laughs> of the Gibbs family, Willie T. Ribs, uh, someone named Frog Hall, Morgan Shepard, and Trent Owens, crew chief, Ben Driver, was also in this race. It's always fun to look back on uh, some of these names 20 years ago, David. Also, Matt Crafton. Yes, I saw that. I was like, how old is Matt Crafton? <laughs> I had to go back and think. I mean, look, uh, a young man, obviously, but still, he's been around racing trucks for a long, long time. Uh, he has. Yes, that 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 I don't know if he's going to be racing trucks for a long time going forward. I, I take it he's uh, ageless, so to speak. But uh, that was a fun moment in NASCAR history. And it really was. Uh, those Hendrick trucks had speed all year, as you would probably expect. Uh, Jack Sprague eventually won the 2001 Truck Series Championship. He didn't win uh, that day, though. That belonged to Ricky Hendrick. One of uh, the great moments in Hendrick Motorsports history. Good stuff and good start to episode 125 of Positive Regression. Let's get it started. When your business is starting its championship run, nothing matters more than finding and hiring the best team. With Indeed, you have the power to build a dynasty by hiring more MVPs faster. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. David, the big discussion this week, free agency. Because 2022, it's not here quite yet, but some of the biggest free agent names uh, have moved on, right? The biggest moves have occurred. So we're going to analyze them, right? Who are the winners and losers so far. I don't know if I like that word losers. We'll get into it. But who are the winners and losers so far in 2021 free agency? Uh, David set us up just a little bit because there are still some seats to be filled, but we, we're we going to hand out some grades for some of the moves that have already been done. Yeah. So what we're doing here, we are. We're, we're anointing winners and losers. I know you don't like that word, but I- I think it's going to be okay because <laughs> we're not meaning any of this to be derogatory or inflammatory. These terms are, I think, very close to being literal. There are drivers who won something in free agency, whether it's a job, whether it's money, whether it's job security, or a place in the Cup Series outright. And then there are drivers who lost something. But the general sense is this. All of these drivers whom we're about to discuss came into this year, 2021, and these contract years specifically with something that they wanted. Did they get what they wanted? If the answer is yes, then they are winners. 
And with teams, you can kind of surmise the same thing. Did teams get what they wanted? And uh, that's something that we'll explore as we unpack each of these individual uh, transactions in question. And if you don't mind, Alan, I'm going to present uh, three for you uh, to consider right off the bat. Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex, and Alex Bowman. These deals, all of them, all of these drivers received contract extensions. Hamlin and Truex with Joe Gibbs Racing. Alex Bowman with Hendrick Motorsports. These are the extensions that they wanted all along. They didn't seek opportunities elsewhere. This is job security with two of the biggest organizations in the NASCAR Cup Series. And on the surface, it is uh, exactly what Joe Gibbs Racing and Hendrick wanted as well. Uh, The deals, they were done early. Nothing was dragged out. All I see here are winners across the board. Alan, do you agree? Uh, I do, especially on the driver's perspective, obviously, any sort of job security. Remember, and the way Gibbs played it, this was done before, uh, right before the season, uh, right early February for Hamlin and Truex. Yes. They were almost back to back. Alex Bowman, I believe, was in, in, in midsummer. So for the drivers, absolutely uh, winners in these deals. Uh, great news for them. Uh, and look, Alex Bowman earned it, right? I mean, three early wins on the season, I believe, right? I mean, Pad in his resume, uh, a great uh, point for him to re- sign and look as if they had earned it. Uh, David, I mean, I'll just bring up, I mean, Alex Bowman is still building his career. Hamlin, Truex, championship level drivers. Alex Bowman may be getting there. Any worry or any oddity that that or wonder if, if HMS looked elsewhere at all, if there was anyone else out there that they could have looked after? Not that I have heard, uh, just kind of banging around the garage and talking to folks. So from the sounds of it, they got what they wanted. They locked down a driver they like, probably at a team-friendly rate that allows them to negotiate next year with Chase Elliott and William Byron, uh, who are going to ask for dollar sign Texas when they push the (laughs) note across the desk. Um, You you know, there's a pattern, Alan, in, in what we will call sports business. Uh, good teams or organizations tend to have well thought out plans and get their business done early. And and I'm glad that you pointed out what JGR did because I'm reminded of what Dave Alpern, uh, president of Joe Gibbs Racing, said last year. He doesn't prefer his drivers getting to that contract year at all. He wants the business settled well in advance. And Hamlin and Truex were signed mm, before the green flag dropped on the Daytona 500. That's impressive. And that is a reminder that good organizations have plans and follow them to a T. You see it a lot in European soccer quite a bit. The best clubs do not wait until deadline day to overhaul their rosters. If some clubs do that, it's potentially a sign of incompetence. So for JGR and Hendrick, they have these drivers that they like that are in-house already. There's zero trepidation in bringing them back, and they they make it happen. That is a sign of competence in my book. And hey, there's a reason that Hendrick Motorsports and JGR are on top of the sport year after year. Well said. Winners all around. All right. Next up, David, Brad Keselowski. Hmm. Let's see. Free agent decided to move on from Team Penske, not only to be a driver, though, but also part time part owner, not part time owner, part owner of the team. And for that reason, I'm going to split a little bit here, but I, I like the context, so I might I might circle around here. But 
I think he is a long-term winner, right? Short-term loser. Let me explain. The opportunity for anyone to be their own boss, be an owner. You have to take that. Brad had this amazing opportunity. He took it. That is great for him long-term to be an owner. That was not going to be the case at Penske. So in the long-term, it's the ultimate winning move because if you are a free agent driver, you're at the mercy of availability, right? You are at the mercy of the negotiating table. What someone is going to give you in terms of the market and what have you, not necessarily what you feel you're worth. If you are a boss of the team, the owner of the team, you'll always have a job, right? So from that aspect, Brad Keselowski, winner in free agency, he got what he wanted. But David, the aspect I've still been hung up on, and which I don't think would surprise many people, is that in the short term, I worry his performance may suffer because he's going to a team that was Penske. Now it's Roush Fenway. Uh, He is going to a new team, a lower performing team, as he is entering his statistical prime age. Will he improve the six car? Absolutely. But will it be as good as the Penske team he is leaving, at least immediately? I don't think so. We have to see what the next gen means, but I I don't think it will be as soon as and as good as the Penske car will be. Therefore, is short time loser an okay term or what do you think? Well, you know, I don't know. I, I think I might disagree with you on that because there were two negotiating cycles, including last year, in which Keslowski lost. And and he's been fairly vocal about it. I've written about this too. He never negotiated from a true point of leverage. And this year, it's not only clear that he did, but it turns out his leverage was not a bluff. He came away with a new ride, probably a salary closer to what he desires and a percentage of ownership. I think that's a win full stop, especially after the beating he took last summer, after the COVID cutdowns uh, in his negotiation with Penske. This has to be kind of a sweet win, even if performance dips. It gets down, I think, to winning back some pride. And I certainly can't argue that he didn't do that. And with that in mind, I think there there is a definitive loser in the the Keselowski outcome. I think it's Team Penske. I think Tim P- Team Penske lost in free agency. Uh, I'm going to introduce Austin Sendrick and Harrison Burton into this conversation here in a bit. But first, I want to make the comparison to a basketball or baseball trade. Essentially, Penske traded Keselowski and Matt DiBenedetto for Austin Sendrick and Harrison Burton. And if you view it from that lens, it is a trade of a championship winning veteran who's still good and hasn't hit a statistical peak yet for two prospects. Whether Penske won that trade remains to be seen because Sendrick will certainly be there for the long haul. But Penske gave up a driver who's already won a championship before his prime. And to me, NASCAR teams live and die on driver performance. If the most performative years are ages 37 to 41, with the peak being, as always, age 39, Mm -hmm. Penske isn't getting to see that from Brad Keselowski. They will not be able to take advantage of what should be his best years. That is a big, big loss, regardless of the long-term gain brought by Sendrick. And if you consider that Keselowski did this out of his own volition, he chose to leave for Roush he also took away the privilege of Penske having a driver, a championship driver in his prime. 
So if anything, it's it's sort of a, a short-term masterstroke at getting back at Penske for maybe some negotiating cycles that he viewed didn't favor him at all. That's fair, but what if it's Brad Keselowski running 12th, 13th, 16th each week? I mean, joke's on you guys. Like, I, like, I worry about, you know, I'm sure he's got pride, sure he's got money and ownership, all great things, but I just wonder about next year. What if we're not right. seeing the Brad that we're used to? Like, even this year, you could perceive it as a struggle, and he's right up there running second, competing for the win last week in a race that, you know, he probably, a few weeks ago, months ago, what wasn't... You wouldn't expect him to be up there. Come playoff time, championship Brad is there, right? You can't count him out yet. I don't know if he gets those opportunities next year. Uh, sure, more money and ownership, but uh, I wonder if you know the the competitive Brad won't be there. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a fair concern. I just happen to think that this one big opportunity, because this is something that doesn't present itself to every Cup driver no. at all. And the more I say it, David, the more I could aren't, aren't I just saying the exact parallel story to Tony Stewart, right? He, yeah. I mean, he left Joe Gibbs racing, right? He, for this crazy notion of a team that was way worse than Roush racing when, when Tony took it over. Right. And so, uh, I, I guess I'm just filling in those stories. I'm filling in like the same, it's like a Mad Lib or something. I'm just replacing the name. So I guess I'm talking myself out of it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it depends on how you want to view it. If you if we are viewing this as did Brad Keselowski get what he wanted out of free agency, I think the answer has to be yes. Okay, right. E- even if it's if it's a, a short term dip in performance, barring that, he got what he wanted. He wanted a win, kind of of any kind, and what he got was one of the rare things ever offered to NASCAR drivers, especially nowadays, and that's a chance at ownership. I mean, essentially, Brad Keselowski's set up his retirement fund or 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 his later years. He's going to be in the sport forever, and that's what he's always wanted from the get-go ever since he was banging around the Arca garage. All right. You introduced it a little bit, but let's talk about the flip side. If Brad Keselowski leaves, Austin Sindrick and Harrison Burton go to Penske slash Wood Brothers. Uh, from a driver's perspective, Dave, David, winners, losers, you tell me. Oh, here are two winners. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, have to consider that. Cindric was expecting to drive the Wood Brothers car. Instead, he gets the Penske number two. Uh, and and those cars are going to come from the same shop, but it's a perceived step up primarily because it's a signal in the organization's belief in Austin Cindric. And it makes sense. He's the reigning Xfinity Series champion. He has a great shot at repeating that. Uh, eventually, he will be a very good Cup Series driver. Uh, And as for Harrison Burton, he is winless this season in the Xfinity series for a Joe Gibbs racing program that has won 10 times this year with four different drivers. He's not one of them. He's incredibly fortunate to receive a promotion after this year, the one that he's had. I think next year is going to be incredibly hard for him. He'll be a 21-year-old rookie in the Cup Series, the average peer for a 21-year-old in the Cup Series, is a little over 0.600. And for a frame of reference, that's about where Ryan Newman is right now. Hmm. So I, I think I think there's going to be a struggle. But let's look beyond the struggle. He's there. He, he's made it to the show. He will be a Cup Series driver next year for a playoff-caliber team. And that kind of job is hard to get and harder to keep. So Harrison Burton... An unlikely winner, but certainly a, uh, a free agency winner. 
Yeah, I mean, look, you made it to the show, right? And kind of unexpectedly, I mean, in the Toyota camp, you thought, you know, maybe there was a, a career or pipeline there. But then, uh, I don't know, but at least to me, it was a bit unexpected to suddenly show up on the Ford side and uh, and have a cup ride. That's a big deal. Certainly the most unexpected transaction, I think, coming out of free agency, right? When, when, that, when the news of that broke, I don't think that was... Uh, I don't think there was any hint of that occurring because you're right. He jumped ship for manufacturers. Uh, the, the Wood Brothers thing was kind of a surprise, even though in hindsight, maybe we should have connected the dots. Dex Imaging, a, a sponsor of, of Burton's, also a sponsor of Penske. It, it does make some logistical sense to, to have these two uh, partner up, but maybe it's the timing. Maybe that's a little bit jarring. He did win four times in the Xfinity Series in 2020. He hasn't this year and and maybe this isn't the year that you leave it's almost like uh you know if, if you're gonna leave you, you you leave when your draft stock is high it, it feels like he's leaving when his draft stock is low but nevertheless he's gonna be there all right next up david two uh, drivers will kind of group together here because they're two drivers without current plans that we know of and two drivers are at very different points in their career so we'll kind of separate them but on the losing side of free agency I, I believe uh which as we discuss more not getting what they want at the moment at least are Matt Benedetto and Ryan Newman we'll start with Matty D uh who feels like a perennial free agent for some reason a perennial underdog story like we all know the Matty D story but uh, look, Matt, Matt Benedetto does not come with funding. The millions of dollars of relationships you really need nowadays, he doesn't have it. So as of now, he is without a ride next year. Uh, and that's the reality, right, David? I mean, young racers should take note. Your boardroom skills may matter just as much as your racing skills, unfortunately. So as for those racing skills, after two years in Penske prepared equipment, uh, Matt D is still winless. And that you know, could pad a cashless resume if you had some more results. Uh, so, I mean, the the openings were there. The funding was not. We don't know how, how much uh, funding or how much, you know, play a non-funded driver even gets in the Cup Series nowadays. So certainly Matt not getting what he wants. So I would deem him a, a, a loser in free agency, at least so far. Uh, as for Newman, similar in that the, the music may have stopped, David, and there seemed to be no more chairs for the aging veteran. Admittedly, I don't know much how much his name was out there, how much he put his name out there, right, wanting it. He doesn't have the big sponsor to take with him. Age 44 season next year. Uh, I know we've talked about before with drivers, right? If, if they have one particular skill you can build around, you know, maybe that's something enough for a team, whether it be restarts or what have you, qualifying, what have you. Uh, we know Ryan Newman has super speedway skills. The schedule is so predominantly, you know, has so much road course focus now. Ryan Newman does not have those results, especially this year. So I just, I, I differ him from Matt Benedetto, where if Ryan Newman wants to ride into retirement, he's got a great resume to go out on. Uh, to me, no hard feelings, right? So th the two situations are different, but unfortunately, at the moment, both losers in terms of not getting exactly what they want, if Ryan Newman wants to come back. Yeah, no, those are good points. You know, it's unlikely that every team ever retains every driver. So it's sort of inevitable that there are losers in this exercise. And with these two guys in particular, I don't know where the next job would come from. You you equated it to musical chairs. And I'm kind of at that point, too. Like, I, I'm now looking at the Xfinity series and and, and you, you see these top teams that do require funding. These guys don't have that, nor 
Uh, are, are they going to, if they do kind of drum up the kind of money needed, would they just turn around and want back into the cup series? You, you don't know. Both drivers, you're right. They've had forgettable seasons to this point, And that's simply not a good impression in a contract year. And you mentioned the one individual skill we've pointed out in the past, what De Benedetto does well, which is restart. But I don't know that teams view one individual skill as being something to build around because that it, it might just not be enough in the eyes of realistic suitors. So in that sense, De Benedetto's in trouble. And so is Newman, who I imagine would like to keep being a cup driver and at the very least go out on his own terms and not how the market dictates he should. But I'm kind of at a loss as to where that option would present itself. Uh, again, Newman it seems to be a, a different story than than Matt. Uh, could you? I'm just thinking of, of options for Matt Benedetto, whether it be Xfinity, even truck. Like this is nothing I've heard, but I, I think of the 16 truck, Tory Racing, uh, race winning truck, championship level winning truck uh, that Austin Hill will no longer be in. But even that, David, even that is a jo- a seat that requires funding. That is a funded seat. Uh, so I don't know if he has truck level money. You know what I mean? Uh, would he go down to the truck series if it's a winning truck? Because that is an open winning seat for someone who brings money and or skill. Uh, but I don't know who's savvy enough to take it if they want to. Kind of the, the John Hunter approach. Yeah, that's a, that's another good point. And I yeah. think he might be faced with the the you know the proposition of having to drive for a back marker, uh, kind of how he got his start. I mean, yeah. he, he, he's one of the rare ones. I mean, Michael McDowell is another that started in the rear of the field and, and kind of worked his way up. Um, and, and this may be an instance where he's just going to have to go back to the back. I don't know if it's a Rick Ware car or, or, or another, uh, upstart team pops up. We, we might see some more upstart teams in the next gen era. Uh, potentially he has to make himself available for that swallow some pride and uh, and have another go at it and uh, see if he can climb back up. It's it's not going to be easy. And now there's data on what he does well and what he doesn't do well. And what he does well doesn't appear to be enough to keep him in a top tier cup series seat. So he's uh, he's got a long road ahead. All right. Next up, AJ Allmendinger. This is on you, David. What do you got? Poor AJ, I uh, I think is a loser in free agency hmm. and. Uh, and it's, I don't know, it's no fault of his own. You know, I, I I look at what he's doing this year in the Xfinity series at age 39. Bing. Not a surprise to us, but Bing. why isn't this man in the Cup Series? Uh, given, given the expanded road racing schedule, I don't understand this. Uh, if the new car provides an advantage to smaller teams, you saw Corey LaJoy uh, practically praising this new car on uh, on social media last week. Potentially, the driver is able to make more of an impact than I even understand this less than I previously did. Almondinger is in a weird spot. Uh, I, I've, I've I've looked into a situation. He's represented uh, by Austin Craven and Team Dylan Management, and it's interesting. They also represent John Hunter Nemechek, who should probably also be in the Cup Series. Mm-hmm. And some of this. Some of this is a failure of teams to understand what Almondinger can bring to the table, but that's a failure that can be remedied by a, a good sales pitch or some good information. And I don't know if that's happened properly here. And and maybe it's a matter of funding and it isn't on AJ's agency, but the notion that Almondinger 
is only going to come in to the Cup Series for the road races next year for Colleg Racing is something of a waste. Colleg running the full Cup Series season with AJ would allow them to seriously contend for a playoff spot. And we're not embellishing. He won Indianapolis no, this exactly. year. He would be in the playoffs. That would have happened. And if, if you get that playoff spot, that means additional revenue. And that is how you properly maximize AJ's talent to benefit your organization. And it's a shame that he's not getting that chance. Yeah. I mean, you're, you are preaching to the choir on this, as noted on Twitter a year ago by me, I think plenty of times on this podcast, just, uh, yeah, imploring these teams, why wouldn't, before the season, why wouldn't you do this? I mean, with all things equal, you just need to win one race, one of six and you make it the playoffs and it happened. And he's not, he's not eligible to take that team to the playoffs because of these team principles. It almost makes me sad, David. I feel like they're not listening to our podcast and listening to our logic. And maybe it's just not as easy clearly as we were making it out to be, but it does seem very uh, cause and effect win a race, go to the playoffs. That, that should be the goal for any team. Get that extra revenue. I don't understand. It, it seems like the resource is sitting there in front of you. Maybe it means you're punting on all the other races. Maybe it means you're just throwing uh, your, all your budget to six races and then just trying to do whatever in the other 2019 or what have you. But if you hit one of the six, you got it. That, I mean, and you have a great driver that can help you do that. I still don't understand. That's why calling AJ a loser or, you know, a loser in the situation, I, I guess is appropriate, but I just don't think it's his fault. I think it's the decision makers not thinking clearly. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And if you if you consider that the road courses are his six shots at victory, five of them in the regular season on next year's schedule, that's five to six more than most drivers are going to have in the Cup Series, yeah, right? So it, that's that's where you just sit and sit back and, and look at this, and you're like, what a loss! We're 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 wasting this guy. He's going to be forty next year. He's 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 going to be back in the Xfinity Series. He's going to be competing for the Xfinity Series title and. Good for him, but he's he's running essentially a full season already. I bet he would like cup money compared to Xfinity money. Yep, I yep. think he'd be down to do this. Uh, I, I don't see what the hangup is aside from funding that isn't there, but even then you can understand that this might be something worth the investment. Because again, if, if it had been done this year, he would have been one of the 16 playoff drivers. All right. Next up, David, uh, John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, I don't know if he views himself as a free agency uh, loser so far, not getting what he wants because uh, he, he, you know, he, he plays the line that this is where he wants to be. But I think he is a free agency loser. John Hunter Nemechek recently announced he will be back for more with Kyle Busch Motorsports. Yeah, good for him. But I have been a noted voice against him going back to the truck series. Before all this, what before this year, what was he? He was a truck series winner. He was an Xfinity series winner. At times, he punched above his weight in, in a slower cup car. That's all been documented. We've talked about it ad nauseum. But he wanted to have more fun. He wanted to win again, get his profile out there again. All right, this year, he did that. He is a championship contender, likely the favorite. I would hope going into Phoenix, bunch of wins so far. What has all that led to? Another year in the truck series. What? 
I still don't like it, <laughs> David. Maybe there is a long-term plan with Toyota. We've, you know, it, it's funny to me that he signs the the or the news comes out of the the deal to stay in the truck series. And what's he do? He gets in an Xfinity car and goes out and wins it because maybe he should be in a different series, a better series, a better competition because he is a better driver than that. Uh, so, is there a long-term plan that we don't know about? I hope so. I hope I am proven wrong long-term about John Hunter, but I was against him in the truck series the first time this year. I'm certainly against it next year. And David, it just sparked something just sparked in my mind. Last week, we talked about the age of William Byron and all the success that he's had for what, three or four times in the cup playoffs already at, at 23, 24 years of age. John Hunter Nemechek is five months older than William Byron yet still in the truck series next year. Uh, he is better than that. And I, he, I think he deserves better than that. Uh, even if it is in a slower car, he has can hone his skills better in a Cup Series car. Uh, I just, I'm still going to beat this drum. What do you got? Couldn't have said it any better. Ugh. I, you, you know, and and there was some questioning of what Joe Gibbs Racing is going to do too. I saw Bob Pockers answer a, a, a question on Twitter by somebody saying that it's going to be a three car program and and there's essentially no room. But it should be said that JGR is developing Ty Gibbs. The organization um, has not put this much energy into a young driver. I would argue since Joey Logano, and it might even be more than that because he's family. He's also very good as we've discussed on his own episode of positive regression, but he's on a trajectory that leads him into the cup series. He is JGR's focus, uh, both the priority and maybe the extent and whoever Toyota develops. And that's John Hunter Nemechek included is different. And Nemechek is still in the Toyota family. The manufacturer did not lose him. JGR doesn't have a reason to have him right now, even though he'd probably win a lot of races in their cars, as he proved. And he still might. There still might be a third car with a rotating cast of drivers. So, uh, yeah. Did, did Nemechek do anything this year that would convince anyone he's an improved Cup Series driver? No, because he didn't yeah. compete in the Cup Series. Right. And, <laughs> and But because of that, there doesn't appear to be any pressure to to do anything with him, which is why it is a risk to just up and leave the cup series like he did around this time last year. There are no guarantees that you will make it back. The only guarantee is that you had a ride and you gave it up and it might be a while before we see him back in a series that his talent suggests he deserves to be in. It's just it comes down to his decision-making and, uh, and the, uh, the availability of seats in the cup series, which are few and far between that makes it, uh, so difficult to understand why he gave it up in the first place. Yeah. And I'm sure there, there's always going to be more context, right? I mean, you can only go where the funding is available, right? Where the seat is open. Uh, you know, maybe there were no chairs and, uh, he, what he hoped would be a, uh, a banner year in the truck series would lead to more and it's not. Uh, so maybe, maybe there's some context there. I still don't like it. I still wish he was just in something better because he deserves yeah. it. Uh, all right. Now, next up, finally, David, uh, something of uh, on the team side of things. GMS is coming back to the Cup Series or going to the Cup Series, frankly, I guess. And next year, uh, dipping their toe in the Cup Series water with this next gen car. What do you think about that, David? I know what's happening here. Uh, by by signing Ty Dillon, it, it's 
the idea of the alliance with Richard Childress racing, but technical alliances are not the same everywhere. It didn't totally benefit Ty Dillon at Germain Racing. I don't know how it's going to be different here. Ty Dillon, for your first hire, is an unimaginative hire and perhaps not a good one. Uh, He will be 30 next year. So it's not as if there's a lot we haven't seen from him already. And it's not as if there's a lot of upside to be had. He ranks 20th right now in Xfinity Series Pier this year. 13 of the drivers ranked ahead of him are younger, and that doesn't include A.J. Allmendinger or Josh Berry, uh, both of whom I'll suggest would make for better Cup Series hires Hmm. than Ty Dillon, even though they are older. So unless there's a grander plan here, and and that's the kind of the TBD on this, uh, and this RCR alliance is a huge deal and setting up something really big down the road. I, I think this is a huge loss for the team. Out of the gate, you, you hire a driver that's pretty underwhelming when there's a lot of talent. As we just mentioned, we, we just talked about two of these drivers that are uh, clearly available. The alliance and the relationship with RCR, that sort of needs to be what tips the scales. It better be worth it because... Uh, right now they have no charter. They've got a driver that we've seen plenty of. We know that he's okay, uh, at the truck and Xfinity levels, but, uh, okay. doesn't cut it in the cup series. Uh, so hopefully there's, there's more down the pike. I think they've, they've missed, uh, they've missed out on a lot here. Yeah. The, the, this new idea of teams and kind of, uh, outsiders coming into the cup series because of the next gen, uh, I'm very interested in what it'll bring. I mean, team, what is it? Hesenberg. I mean, we might see Jacques Villeneuve yes. next year, right? Uh, I mean, th- I guess the next gen allows for this type of opportunity, um, and which means new teams, new decision makers, you know, what do they do with this opportunity? Do they try to get the best driver available? Uh, you know, take the analytical positive regression approach and maybe listen to us and get a driver who would benefit them uh, and not necessarily a name or uh, someone who has, you know, been there and, and something of a, of a second round or second go at it, if you will. Uh, I, I'm interested to see what opportunities come, what they do, what these new teams do with them with the next gen car. Yeah. If this truly evens the playing field a little bit, uh, as we've been led to believe, then the, the cars are mechanically closer. That means the drivers in theory should matter more, correct? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think if you are a talented young driver, this premise uh, gives reason for true optimism, but it seems it might take a year or two before this becomes a reality and we see the marketplace shift to something that's more talent-centric, more of a meritocracy as it currently is. All right, and we'll end on uh, on a good question I got for you, David, because Chip Ganassi Racing uh, will no longer exist after 2021, after uh, a, a pretty memorable run in the Cup Series, and its drivers both have found new homes. Uh, Ross Chastain will go over to Trackhouse. Kurt Busch will go to the second car at 2311 Racing. So compared to where they are now and where they will be next year, do you consider them free agency winners? They both have jobs in the Cup Series uh, with teams that are, you know, above board, the you know, top level teams that are that are competing for uh, wins and certainly top 15s and top 20s. Right. These aren't backmarker teams they are going to. So but are they free agency winners in your eyes? I I don't know. 
I don't really know how to answer that. I think <laughs> Me all too. Things, I think all things considered, sure. But as as I see it, there were two situations here. Um, both both of them were technically in contract years. Kurt Busch was already looking at 2311 racing before Ganassi closed. Jordan Bianchi came on our podcast. We talked about it, and he was the one breaking that news. Ross Chastain, though, was interested in returning to Ganassi. That is what he wanted, and that's something that he confirmed to me earlier this year. Uh, and while he ended up at Trackhouse Racing, and that's a that's a great landing spot, it isn't what he wanted out of free agency to begin with. He didn't ask for any of this, and he wasn't looking anywhere else. Uh, Bush is probably a free agency winner. Uh, he, he's he's past his prime, still landed a coveted ride. But man, Chastain, I you know I, I do kind of get a sense that he lost something here. Uh, he he was going to be an organizational focal point for Chip Ganassi Racing, which for as much as we've put them down, is still a playoff caliber program. And and I don't know if that's the case for Chastain anymore because Trackhouse is building. And they can build around him and might even surpass Ganassi in terms of its overall stature within NASCAR when all is said and done. But there isn't a guarantee of that. So Chastain came out of free agency with something different than what he wanted at the onset of the season. I don't know if it's a win. Uh, is it? Is it better? Is it worse? Is it a horizontal move? Could he have secured a better ride? I that's a that's a that's a tough one. But if you want to find the silver lining, he's come away from free agency with something, and that something isn't bad, and that's better than most. So you can certainly take an optimistic stance on it. Yeah, he's had it worse, right? I mean, yeah. to to, ha- to have a job at at an emerging team with a good owner, right? A, a forward thinking owner. I mean, all, all that is positive. Uh, j- just your quick thoughts, Kurt Busch, uh, the new team 2311 may not have a charter. I don't know. D- d- does any of that matter to you factor in, uh, any thoughts on that? I can't wait for media day right before Daytona when Kurt Busch is asked if there's any pressure to qualify for races, <laughs> because those answers are going to be something. I, I, I feel like he's in a good situation to make this work. Uh, we've seen, you know, programs without charters do well. Uh, Colleague Racing this year is an example. They won a race, right? So it, can he still have a successful year without a charter? Sure. And and f- for some form or fashion, I think things are going to work out the way that they want them to because it's a Toyota team. It's co-owned by Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin. And I think only good will come of that if they continue on the trajectory that they're on. All right. Good stuff. Good discussion overall. It was a a long one, but a good one. Free agency winners and losers so far. Probably still some more surprises to come. All right. It's time for the race preview because the Cup Series heads to Kansas for the second race of the round of eight. Just a few more chances to, uh, to score that golden ticket to Phoenix and race for a championship. Kyle Larson already has his. But the series moves on to Kansas, where they've already been once before, David. So let's look back to the spring race. What interested me, I I, I didn't remember this exactly. I had to do some question asking. But Kyle Larson (laughs) led the most laps in the spring, 132 of them. But he finished 19th. And I had to ask, what the hell happened? Uh, It was two late restarts, one from the lead where he lost the lead, and then another late restart where he went from about fourth 
to finishing 19th in only about what two laps or so. So uh, restarts pretty pretty volatile or potentially volatile. David, what do you want? What should we know about uh, Kansas Speedway? What did we learn from the spring race? Yep, the restarts. That's a good <laughs> one. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll hit on that here in a second. Um, this is very much uh, a quintessential 550 horsepower track. The the tire wear on average in that race saw a degradation of 0.7 seconds. And hey, that's not a lot. So long pitting could be advantageous and should have been in the spring race for the likes of Roush Fenway and JTG Doherty, those teams that long pitted the green flag pit cycle that was interrupted by Tyler Reddick's runaway tire. Ah, that was a bad no call by NASCAR. It should have been an immediate caution and that didn't happen. Uh, Both JTG cars were actually caught in crashes on subsequent restarts when they shouldn't have even been back there in the first place. But because that was uh, because those restarts were were wild and the hotbed of activity that you think that they would be in, in a race like this, given the circumstances, given how tough track position is to come by and the uh, the restarts, they were just all over the place, Alan. It was the uh, the late contact on the restart between Larson and Ryan Blaney that ended both of their chances of winning that race. Mm. Um, so they're volatile. There's a lot of spots to be lost. There's a lot to be gained, too. There were gains upwards of seven positions within the top 14 alone. Uh, the the losses can be bad, but it, it's not without its uh, hot spots. Third place at Kansas, that's the inside of the second row. It's one of those spots. All occupants failed to defend position that day. Zero percent retention. Wow. I think restarts the 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 totality of them uh or or the lack thereof that's going to dictate the outcome in this race because you mentioned how dominant larson was if those late restarts aren't a thing he probably sails off to the win but because those restarts are a thing that's the shakeup on these tracks that's the kind of volatility that makes Martin Truex go and get a former driver as a new spotter because he thinks 550 restarts are the new drafting track restarts. He's kind of got a point that that's it's it's the mix of desperation and the track dynamics just in these two lap windows. So it's important. And if there aren't any restarts, uh, then this is going to be a, a contest of speed and a little bit of strategy, not dissimilar to what we saw last week in Texas. It just might look a little bit differently depending on how it breaks. Yeah, you can't even see my notes, but that you took the question right out of my mouth, David. Raw speed one last week. Uh, Kyle Larson, Willie B, right, right at the top, who are, who are no uh, strangers to speed all year at 550 tracks. Yeah, any chance to expect something different than a raw speed race? on on sunday i don't think so i i I think i think that's going to i mean first of all the the fastest cars are going to be at the front of the field right barring inspection the 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 playoff drivers are the ones with the fastest machines they'll they'll have clean air initially and they're going to be hard to catch i mean at some point it's kind of the the usain bolt theory the only way you beat him if is if he stumbles and that's kind of kyle larson right now Mm. on 550 tracks so something's gonna have to happen now that's not saying it can't because recall las vegas we we saw a whole organization completely whiff on strategy and that affected kyle larson's chance at a win affected chase elliott's chance at a win that's a big deal 
And that dynamic is in play. It's the same tire that we saw at Las Vegas. And it's largely going to be the same strategic dynamic. There's a lot of different directions that this can go in. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, yeah, I, I, I might be more interested in just how this race plays out. It's 100 miles shorter than what we saw last weekend in Texas. So a mistake certainly means more now. There's uh, there's less room for recovery. All right, let's do it. Our picks for the win. David, I'm going with Kyle Busch for the Kansas sweep. Uh, I, I know the first race was volatile, but look, Kyle Busch this year, the best peer, the best production on 550 tracks. He's got top five speed on the 550 tracks. And like I said, the win earlier. And David, just how fitting would it be for him to win the final 550 race, right? In a package that he just absolutely hates. Uh, I would just love, I don't know if it's irony, but I would love the coincidence of it all. If he could complain, 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 yet win the final race that puts him into Phoenix. Uh, that would just be funny to me. So maybe I'm maybe I'm using the, the, the wrong metrics, but uh, I'm picking Kyle Busch to win on Sunday. That's fun. I'm going to pick Kyle Larson. Damn uh, it. Just... <laughs> Just because uh, I, I think that team largely sleepwalked through Texas. Uh, and by that, I mean, no one really came close to challenging them. Kansas is a bit different. There's lower banking than what we saw last week. That changes quite a few things. Denny Hamlin, in theory, should be better suited, for instance. Kyle Busch, you mentioned. But Larson's speed on 550 this year is undeniable. Uh, ranks first, and, it, and, it's, and, and it's been a pretty consistent first. And, uh, boy, he sure makes the most of it. And I just, I don't see a way around him. Yeah. Hell, and defended all those restarts too last week. So we got to give him credit there because, uh, you did an yeah. article, David, you know, it's about Kyle Larson and how he has to pick up that extra gear. Uh, you know, I'm not drawing a line between the first Kansas race where he had a few bad restarts and last week where he had seven, you know, seamless ones and defended the whole time, but maybe there's something there. Maybe he has improved and maybe he has picked up that extra gear that, uh, the field certainly didn't want him to find. So maybe there's something there. Yeah, and not one of those restarts look the same either. So I mean, yeah. you're, he's he's whipping out different disciplines at that point. Uh, la no, last weekend's win in Texas was impressive. I don't think anyone had a machine uh, anywhere as close to him as is what he had, but he made the best use of it, and that is tough to defeat if you're in the position of any other driver in the field. We'll see if that changes this weekend. All right, those were our picks for the win. Uh, let's go to our contrarian picks. It's easy to keep picking William Byron. I know some people get a kick out of that. It worked last week, frankly, but uh, I'll go with the hot hand. I'm going with Tyler Reddick. Uh, good last week. Uh, you know, he was right up there competing, top four, top three. Went kind of, you know, went the wrong way toward the end, but uh, good there, er, er, good there earlier this year. Excuse my uh, jarbling the language there, <laughs> but uh, and David at the mile and a half tracks this year. I mean, I think he has something like five straight top tens uh, at those mile and a half tracks. So there's been performance from that eight car. I think he can do it again. Good contrarian pick, Tyler Reddick. I'm going to go with Chris Busher. He hmm. finished eighth in the spring race, uh, and he could have been in position to win had NASCAR thrown that yellow for uh, mm -hmm. Tyler Reddick's tire. But that was, uh, yeah, that, that didn't happen. Uh, now, he was paired with Luke Lambert in that race. That was his crew chief. Now Busher is paired with Scott Graves. Uh, that move his taken my curiosity. They've looked good in the two races they've had together, including a third place finish on the Roval last weekend at Texas. He crashed late in the race and that disrupted what was an otherwise decent day. Even with the crash, 
uh, and that relegated to him uh, 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 to a uh, 21st place finish. He had the 14th best average running position. So he didn't get the finish on par with his capability, but I think he can this weekend. Uh, he appears to be very good there, and I'm quite bullish on uh, how he's finishing out his season. All right, good stuff. Episode 125, a positive regression. Another good one. Don't forget we are available on all major podcast platforms, no matter your choice. Our entire back catalog of episodes is available for free at posregpod.com. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a rating or review. That stuff helps spread the word about this podcast. Maybe some team principal should hear it. We notice and it is so appreciated. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Reach out to us on Twitter at posregpod, P-O-S-R-E-G-P-O-D. We love answering your questions because they're so smart. David, you're always working hard. What do you got this week? This week for NBC Sports, I'm writing on Kyle Busch, uh, a bit of a dissection of his first year working with crew chief Ben Beshore. And on race day, my Kansas preview will drop early in the morning. So be sure to check that out, uh, both of those out at nascar.nbcsports.com. All right, good stuff there. Make sure you keep up with my social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. If you're listening on Thursday morning, thank you for being a subscriber. Right after you're done, go check out my Twitter feed and watch this week's Quick Hits. It's a video I do for Speed Sport and uh, it encompasses all forms of racing. There's a lot of stuff going on. Formula One is back in America. So we kind of set the table for your racing weekend well beyond NASCAR. I think you'll learn a few things. I hope you do. Check that out. Also on Fridays, check out Fantasy Live on NASCAR.com. Myself and Amy Long try to help you with your fantasy team. And David, I will brag here as well. I had a perfect team last week. I I picked the top five scores in the Texas race, and I nearly had all the bonus picks. Christopher Bell came out of nowhere and was the top Toyota. Did not see that coming, but I had a good week last week is what I'm saying. So follow us, watch Fantasy Live on NASCAR.com, and and just follow me on Twitter and all that stuff. So for David Smith, I'm Alan Kavana. Thank you for listening to Positive Regression. We'll see you next week. Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CHAMPION and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CHAMPION and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. and Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.